Welcome to the podcast. I'm Eric Koenig, Vice President of Brand and Communications with Hartstown. Today, we are going to talk branding. And really, we're going to talk branding from the perspective of a company that has just gone through a rebrand. And one of the things that I find really interesting right now as business adapts and adjusts and thinks about where the future lies coming out of the pandemic, brand is really going to take on uh, an important role in how we talk to customers that we currently have, but also talk to customers that we're hoping to attract and win and retain. Joining us on the parts cast today is Vera Fisher. She is the director of global brand strategy or, you know, CMO, again, mouthful of Lancer Worldwide. Uh, Vera, thanks for joining the parts cast. Before we, we get into some of the questions, if you, uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about you. Well, Eric, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Um, you guys recently went through a rebrand yourselves, and I'm, I'm very envious of it. I think it's a great job. So uh, thank you again. And a little bit about me. I've been in the uh, marketing branding world since 1993. I uh, have grown up in the traditional, and then here comes digital. And then here comes the dot bomb. And then here we go again. So and then now we're in a pandemic. So I've seen a lot of ebbs and flows when it comes to, you know, all things marketing, branding, and how that ladders up to business objectives, how it sits in the C-suite, etc. You know, that's pretty much been my entire career, both on the agency side and on the corporate side for publicly traded companies. And uh, Lancer is my latest uh, foray into the corporate side of the fence, if you will. And is this your first your first foray into food service? You know, I've touched food service in my career. Uh, I have been on the uh, team that won and worked on Krispy Kreme donuts. I have uh, worked in the world of DoubleTree Hotel of rebranding them back in the uh, 2000s. So there's been, you know, ebbs and flows within food service, but as far as coming in from a manufacturing perspective and doing uh, or rather learning everything that uh, Lancer Worldwide uh, provides to the marketplace is, is a new thing for me, but I love to learn. So it all worked. Excellent. Well, on behalf of the food service industry or the, you know, the more manufacturing side, welcome to the food service industry. I, I think you're really going <laughs> to enjoy it. It's a great it's a great big little industry, as I always as I always like to say. Yes, it is. So yeah, you know, so we talked about you know brand and rebranding, um, you know, with with Partstown, which we're still evolving through. You know, there's more mm-hmm. to come. I'm like really excited to be able to share that with uh, with the world here here shortly. But you know, Lancer Worldwide wasn't always Lancer Worldwide. That's a recent incarnation of of the of this manufacturing brand. And, you know, first, when, when did Lancer Worldwide launch? Because, you know, like you said, pandemic, our minds have been, you know, are a little bit all over the place. So, you know, maybe first tell us when did Lancer Worldwide uh, come, to, come to be? We officially launched on January 31st of 2020. So right at about nine months ago. Okay. And so, yeah, right, right, before, right before the pandemic, uh, and you know, branding branding takes time. This isn't one of those turn a switch, 
redesign a, a brand mark, there's a, there's a lot more that goes into to a, to a rebrand because, you know, brands are emotional beings. Brands are always, as I like to say, are like people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do you bring all of that to the forefront isn't isn't a, a short-term process. It is a, it is a long-term nurture. And, you know, what, what were some of the drivers that, you know, the team had to consider when they were making that decision to rebrand? You know, one of the things that I have learned in my career is in, in most industries, in all industries are, are small, big industries. Everybody knows everyone, and especially in the world of manufacturing. And most people back in the day didn't really pay attention to brand and manufacturing unless you were really a consumer facing entity. You felt like, well, my customers are other businesses. They already know who I am. Why do I really need to worry about that? And that was a that was a true statement 20, 30, 40 years ago. But the world changed and the way that we buy change just as human beings and the way that we consume information, the way that we research all changed. And Lancer as an organization had not really looked at their brand since almost the inception of the company back in 1967-68. And from there, once we started moving into other avenues of, of customers, such as more food service, Uh, And we realized that, well, people don't necessarily know who we are and what do we really stand for? Who are we? And who we think we are internally can be vastly different than what our customers or what our key stakeholders think about us. And we have to go through that exercise because as human beings, when we purchase, we take the first one second and we make a decision based on emotion. And that can be, I like it the way it looks. I like the way it feels. And then we look for the evidence to support the decision we've already made from an emotional perspective. So that's really where we started from. And more importantly, when you go through that process or when you go through this rebrand, you have to have the president, CEO, senior leadership has to be on board with this. You cannot do it from the ground up. You have to top down. No, I would agree. Yeah, branding is definitely a, a top down exercise. And, you know, and, and, and to your point, from a B2B perspective, how the world operates today is completely different than, than the way the world operated, you know, even just, a, I would even say just a, even just a few years ago, you know, and that's because of the digital space that we all occupy these days a lot of the the b2c or you know business to consumer buying decisions that are are made have really seeped into how customers make business to business buying decisions how they research where brands have to build relationships you know and and it all has become a a driving force for the 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 importance of building brand in in a in a B two B space, and again, I also agree with this idea of you know I personally came from the B two C consumer goods world, and we always like to talk about you got two seconds, you have two seconds at shelf to sort of make your pitch, and how you build your relationship with that that customer before they get to the shelf is really what 
brand is about. It's that omni relationship idea that we have to have to create. So, you know, one of the things that I also think about, you know, you talked a little bit about process. One of the things that I always I I would like to get some perspective on as well is especially when we're talking with C suite, uh, speed becomes uh, a factor in how we we get to market. You know, it, but speed also can be a a driver in creating some miscalculations. So when you were working with the C-suite, you know, how did you work through the process or get get the team to, you know, work with you on the process to make sure that we are, you know, you're all heading in the right direction? So Eric, there is actually, whenever you're going to rebrand, if you're going to do it, what I would like to refer to as quote unquote, the right way or, or you know, you're not just going to redesign the logo. You really want the information. There's a methodology to it. And the first aspect of that is research. And it's comprised of, of a few components. The first is one-on-one interviews with key stakeholders of the organization. And that means internal and external. So I probably conducted over 40 different interviews, all the way from president down to senior vice president down to director level to uh, uh, different heads within uh, the global parts uh, customers that were um, you know longtime customers brand new customers and and some other key stakeholders that didn't really fit into those molds but, but were still influencers and I had a full brand questionnaire. And those interviews probably lasted about an hour to an hour and a half. It was important at the time that I was a neutral third party. I had um, at that time been uh, hired to to lead this process, and so people could tell me anything. It didn't mean it didn't. I didn't have the background. I didn't have all the baggage with me. So you can tell me, and it's fine. And they were all confidential. Then there's also a, you know, there's a survey aspect to it where you can send out surveys of, you know, maybe 10 questions and send that out to a broader audience. And then you do your competitive uh, insight. So what are your competitors doing? How are they talking about themselves? Uh, How do they present themselves from a visual perspective? Etc. And then what's going on in the industry as a whole? Who are the other outliers that maybe influence the way that we look or act or talk? And the same for those competitors. And when you start to put all of that together, patterns begin to emerge. So you're not making any of this up, which is the fun part for me. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you, you pull out these key patterns and key themes and when you get to the point of presenting all of that information from that research and the due diligence, you never, and in this case as well with Lancer, you do not get pushback because there's nothing in there they cannot ag- disagree with. There is nothing. They're like, yes, yes, that's correct. That's correct. Yes, we knew about this. Yes. So it's really interesting, but it validates what they already knew. And, and the 20 years that I've been doing branding for various companies of various sizes, I um, have never come across any information that they didn't already know at some level in their gut of what their company was doing or not doing. Yeah, inherently, you always get a sense of your 
the brand's health. You know, obviously there's the the sales piece of it that always will help tell you that, you know, is it working? Is it not working? But even even brands that, you know, are, are financially healthy, there's always something lurking in the back of your brain that, you know, needs to needs to to pivot or to, or to change. And, you know, and I and I and I think, too, um, you know, when you work with the team, like I, I always, one of my exercises that I always like to run because I, you know, again, I think brands are emotional beings. One of the exercises that I always like to do, and it's a little morbid, but you know, write an obituary for your brand mm-hmm. because I think that's the that's you know, it makes you think about it. You know, it's like how would you how would you bury it? You know, and what do you want people to 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 remember about you because. It also helps get to sort of those things that made you different. And exactly, no, I I, I agree with you one hundred percent. You know, and I, you know, and I think you know those differentiators are are things that, especially on a manufacturing perspective, we get you know creating choice and creating difference within products that inherently perform the same function is really can be really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and so how do you how do you ladder into and cre- create some of how do you create those differences and 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 build upon them? So, what would you say? You know, as you did work through the research and worked with the team and, and key stakeholders and customers and and things like that, became Lancer's two big key differentiators. So the great thing about Lancer that was so exciting. And it's something that you cannot sell. It either is or isn't. And that is quality. I heard this over and over and over. If you buy a Lancer worldwide system, it is quality. It is going to work. And that's huge from from the perspective of a manufacturer. And then also customer service. And that is the, the, the two pillars that the company had been built on and continues to be built, uh, built on. But there's some other differentiators that are that are more um, coming to light that are what we're working on, and that's from an innovative and modern perspective. So really, the the quality obviously will never go away. It's just as we evolve the brand, which is what the look and feel also represents, is a more modern and innovative approach to what we do. Yeah. And I think, you know, really building on those differentiators today, probably more so in, than in the past is going to become more important. You know, the food service industry, we all have borne witness to has taken a real pounding with with the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, and how how we each brand fights for that smaller pool of resources is going to become critical, mm-hmm. you know, not just for today, but making sure that your your foundation is strong enough for for tomorrow. You know, for for listeners out there, you know, what would be some of your higher level strategic advice to give brands as they start to think about, all right, how do I think forward, you know, coming out of out of the pandemic? I really think people have to take a step back and actually define what their brand stands for and using um, not necessarily generic words, but understanding what, what those words actually mean to your organization. 
And if you find that you're, you're making it up or you're, you're like, oh, I wish we were, then, then you, that's an issue. You've got to step back and embrace reality and say, okay, this is what our brand stands for today. What's the customer experience like? How do we treat, you know, how does accounting treat, uh, past due bills? How does um, accounts receivable work? How do we uh, communicate with our salespeople? Every single one of those is a brand touch point. It leaves you with a feeling, with an emotion. Either you really like it or you really don't, or you're like, hey, those people are really rooting for me and that makes me want to root for them. And then realize that your brand is more than the pretty picture or the logo. You have to look at everything, the processes. If, if we're modern and innovative, well, what type of experience are you getting on a website? What experience are you getting when you call, et cetera? So those are the things that you really need to take a look at and realize you cannot do it in a week. It's going to take a few months. And that's one of the big pushbacks. I need a new brand within the next month. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a different animal, if you will. It is, you know, and I think one of the things that I also like to, to, to caution people about or, you know, caution executives or whomever I, I might be speaking to is really brand becomes the lens that you've got to, you know, to your point, you've got to view the entire organization through, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the filter that is really going to help you drive decisions, you know, because if if you want to bring, say, an innovation to life and it doesn't meet, you know, we'll, we'll just use, you know, quality and you know, customer service. If, it, if there's something about those or modern, if it doesn't tie itself to any of those ideas, then really you've got to ask yourself, is this is this the right the right way to go about that? Or, you know, if you're looking at customer bases and you know, the customer base doesn't align with with some of your your brand's goals and initiatives. Is that the right customer for you? I mean, it really does become a filter. Mm-hmm. It, it absolutely does. You know, and I think that's something that, you know, people lose sight of, you know, you know, to your point, you know, brand is more than a logo. Brand is more than a website. Brand is really that fi- it's that moment of truth. That when you when you want to make a decision that you've got to you've got to reflect it back off of and see if uh, see if it makes sense. You know, so when we when we talk about, you know, differentiators, you know, we're talking about uh, how do we we come forward out of the pandemic. I think one of the things, too, that brands, at least brands from a manufacturing perspective, are probably either, you know, struggling with or trying to understand is, you know, how virtual starts to become a piece of what the brand probably has to offer now. You know, what what do you see as, uh, from a Lancer perspective or even just a general branding perspective, what virtual means to to brands and what they need to start probably start to think about? I would say that we really need to look at the way our customer purchases. And I'll remind all of your listeners that we're going through a generational shift. There are more generations in the workplace today than there ever have been. So you've got baby boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, and now Gen Z. 
So you've got, you know, four different generations and they all interact differently. They all uh, use technology differently. So really understanding who is your customer and how do they like to get information and how do they like to buy? So from that perspective, we segment that out. We've got our, you know, larger customers uh, that really have that relationship, right? So those are the ones that have been in the business for quite some time. They they know the industry, they know the salespeople, they've been doing business with Lancer, et cetera. Then we've got this other set of folks that are coming up, and these are more of the independents. And you know, how do, do they really want to call and talk to someone? And, you know, maybe they're not looking until midnight is when they have time to look at something that they would like to purchase. So we want to be found. And that is really it. When they're looking, are we showing up and are we giving them a way to purchase with as little friction as possible? And that is where we're pushing it forward. So, yeah, you bring up a really good point. You know, can we be found? But it's also the, the research people are, are putting in to understand is the product right for them, you know, and what, and I, and I think this is something that, you know, manufacturers have traditionally struggled with as well is, you know, pulling together that content to help customers make that decision. You know, like, you know, like we've talked about a little bit earlier, B2C is really influencing how B2B has to go to market. And, you know, what might be some some content initiatives that brands should think through uh, to make sure that they're they're hitting on all those touch points? Well, obviously, there's the the first tier, which is the must-haves. So any of the product information, imagery, product videos, uh, whether it's more of a brand product video or a technician type video, this is how you install it, et cetera. Then there's the content where you're actually helping your customers implement products into their business and showing them the value of that product. So where some people call it thought leadership, I think it's a little overused term. To me, it's it's really, again, knowing your customer. And if they're running, let's say, a convenience store and they have maybe five, eight, ten stores, what are we what are we giving to them or providing to them that's going to help them run their business smarter and better so that they can have a larger profit? And so we try to really work with them and give them those ROI calculators, if you will, and give them those business case studies and give them that content that they would want, knowing that we're a partner to them, not just a here you go, throw the product over the fence and we're done. Yeah, and that's there's a couple things there. One, you know, you mentioned C stores and and beverage is the is a revenue driver unlike any other in in, in that world. Um, which brings to mind a product that Lancer recently brought out, what would Lancer Link, you know, which is, you know, that a product that I think does provide sort of that ROI potentially. Could you actually maybe even talk a little bit about that product? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that is our Internet of Things or IoT product. And basically what it does is it monitors how much product you're pouring, when you're pouring it, and the um, and, and the patterns over time. And we've got some customers that use it that are making really critical business decisions on how much syrup they're going to buy or 
of one product versus another or what they're going to be pouring or regionally, what is it that their customers like and, and at what time of day. And so it, it helps them look at the data. So you're not guessing anymore. So you look at that data and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm doing more carbonated in the morning than I thought I would be doing. So I'm going to up that. So they increase their profits by not um, purchasing thing or syrup that they didn't think that they needed. So it's been pretty uh, amazing to look at. And we've got a lot more add-ons, if you will, coming for that product as well. That's exciting because I think, you know, that's the other piece that um, the pandemic is also bringing to us is faster, faster innovation, faster change. How, how do we impact the industry and provide opportunities for, for our customers to make those decisions because they're looking for ways to, to, save, to save money? And I, and I think, and honestly, the pandemic also brings up another, another product. I know the l um, is something new that that Lancer has brought brought to market. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know part of part of the podcast here is also giving giving our customers and our listeners the, the opportunity to sort of under, discover products too. And the L Guard is a, a unique product that has has come to market because we're always thinking about touchless now, or how do we how do we adapt a beverage wall to to a world where we're we're trying to not touch things. Absolutely. And that is, um, that is our L-Guard system. It's a full line of accessories. And that first that you're thinking of is our valve guard. And it's very similar to what you would think of as a sneeze guard at a buffet, but it's a valve guard. And it's a, it's a NSF approved, very well designed um, uh, piece that goes over the valves. You can see through it. It, it doesn't cloud. And it gives that extra sense of uh, protection and safety. And uh, soon, very soon, we will have our touchless valves and our proximity sensor, et cetera. And when you talk about, yes, with this innovation, we have to be faster to market. We're very much balancing never sacrificing quality and getting to market as quickly as we can with these types of safety measures that our customers would want on their systems. Because none of this stuff is going away tomorrow, you know, from a, of a safety perspective. This is, this is probably here to stay. You know, if, if anything, the pandemic has taught us that we've got to be prepared for the next. And, 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 you know, to your point, making sure quality is factored into and balanced uh, with, with speed to market is, is something that I, I think people also tend to, to lose sight of. I want to uh, shift back to sort of virtual a little bit as well. You know, one of the things that we've been seeing in the, in the industry is virtual conferences, virtual expos, trade shows. You know, has Lancer participated in, in any of the recent uh, virtual events? And what's been your perspective? You know, what could be some, some watch outs for a brand or, you know, things that you've liked about the, the, the experience? We have uh, absolutely participated in several virtual events. We uh, believe it was FER, Virtual Next was one of the first ones. That, uh, that we participated in. We've got another one that we'll be participating in at the end of September. And um, I think that for as quickly as they've gotten these out there, these uh, conferences, if you will, 
they're really cool. I think there's just a lot of technology behind them. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I do think that people are starting to get virtual event fatigue. We're sitting behind a computer all day. We're working from home. We're kind of isolated. And then you put me in a virtual event. And so, you know, the, the time, instead of it being a six hour event, now it's a two or a three hour event. And I do think that we're going to see a lot more of those uh, just because they can be very cost effective, a great way to launch new products or, uh, you know, get some information about your company or, or what you're doing in the marketplace or what's coming up next. I think they're fantastic. But again, you have to have that, that uh, talent. Either you're going to outsource something like that, or you're going to have that talent in-house. And for most manufacturers or companies that haven't really grasped technology, this is a big leap for them. But those that have, it's like, okay, we've already been doing things like this. So it's easy for us to, to move it into more of a front and center strategy rather than just in the back of the house, if you will. No, I, I agree. And I think one of the things, you know, you, you touched on it with virtual fatigue. The other piece of brand that is, is in, especially in, in our industry, which is very much, you know, hospitality, we're an experiential industry. You know, we're, we're about the senses. You know, we taste, we, we touch, we, we, we do all of those things. And I think from my perspective, that is, I think, a challenge for, for our industry to figure out, too, is can we bring the experiential in, you know, and how do we do that? And how do we make that connection when we don't have that opportunity to sort of be in person? So I'd, I'd, a, I'd love to sort of get your thoughts on that. But, you know, B, what type, you know, you know, do we do you feel like there might be solutions out there to, to bring that to life? As far as virtual platforms, mm-hmm. you know, there are some out there. One of the easiest ones that uh, from a platform, if you're just wanting people to join and see maybe a one or a two hour is Zoom. Zoom is great because they do have a webinar function on there that you can actually do live. They'll record it for you. You can put a green screen. You can have people in a room. You can turn one of your office uh, rooms into a little studio that's really cool. And the cost of entry for that is you could probably do it for less than a thousand dollars. That's how inexpensive it is. Now, as far as the other ones, I know that there are several trade show companies that are getting into the virtual space for obvious reasons. And those are hugely expensive. They can go anywhere from, you know, at the low, low, low end, maybe 20 to 30 grand, all the way up to a couple hundred thousand, depending on how virtual you want to go. You start getting into things like augmented reality and, um, you know, making the, the participant feel like they're actually sitting in the room with you, those types of things. And we're still looking around at different platforms. So as far as my guidance on the best one, I'm not there yet because I have to use them and really play with them to have that level of, of an opinion. But I will tell you that I use Zoom and that webinar feature is very cool, very inexpensive. Excellent. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's something that, you know, I think all the companies are evaluating what is the best platform. They all have their pros and their cons. And, you know, and I think, you know, how we how we present our brands 
in the virtual world is is something that we now have to take take into account and you know the platform experience becomes part of that exactly and i would also do not bite off more than you can chew because if it goes wrong even though it's technology and absolutely you can't control that the end user doesn't care they're like well they don't know what they're doing they didn't have this buttoned up what are they doing over there And we all think that even though in our minds, we're like, yeah, it's technology and sometimes it doesn't work or this happens or that happens. Just be careful, start small and start easy and then build from there as you learn. Yeah. Every experience, every experience leaves an imprint, you know, good, good or good or bad. Every experience leaves an imprint. So that's actually really, really good advice when you start to think about, you know, the virtual platforms that you want to, you want to think through is, you know, you know, a don't bite off more than you can chew. But you know, do you have the are you do you have the team that can can make sure that the platform is is running when customers are are interacting with that? And, and speaking of interacting, you also you touched on it a little bit um, earlier. You know, around e commerce and, and things like that. Lancer is also you know launching an e commerce presence. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, when is it going to launch? You know, what are what are some of the products and features that customers can expect when they when they when they find the uh, when they log on. Uh, so we will have a store on the website, and we'll be launching with our Valve Guard. And this is really targeted to those folks out there that are not going to be talking to a salesperson. They just want one or two of this type of product. We will not have everything on the e-commerce. It will be more of our plug-and-play product line. So our RBDs, our refrigerated beverage dispensers, we've got some other uh, products that are going to be launching soon. So it's really meant to target that particular customer that really just wants to buy one or two of something, just want to buy it online with their credit card and have it shipped, and then they plug-and-play. And we're looking for that to launch in the next, I would say, by mid to late October. Okay, so so coming up, and it'll it'll be ready for for the end of for the end of the year. Um, yep. You know, we've 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 been talking for a little bit now, and I think the conversation's been been fantastic. One of the things I you know I, I'd like to like to close with is you know for for manufacturers, you know, we talked about you know value props and key differentiators. What would be you know one or two key pieces of advice? that you would, you know, you would urge people think about when they're thinking about brand as they set their sights on 2021? First and foremost, it's a living, breathing thing. It is not something that um, is just a pretty picture. And it, it's frustrating for, for business owners and um, um, not necessarily... Let me back up for a minute. Business owners and key stakeholders, they think, okay, we've already done that. We've spent money on that. We're done with that. No, your your brand and that experience is always evolving. And especially out of this time, this pandemic, it is going to evolve at a warp speed. So don't turn a blind eye to it. Pay attention to it. And you've got to put a line item in your budget for it. That's always that's always the critical piece, you know. Marketing, marketing, and branding always tends to be, oh, what can we what can we remove from the budget when when we want to? And it's always marketing and branding. And um, 
I'm going to go back to uh, for for those of for those listeners out there that may have may have been listening to the the Ashton Report ENS Summit. Next year is the year to double down on marketing because we've really got to tell our story. The pie is smaller. How do we break through and make sure that we're attracting and retaining and, and getting our story out there against against everyone else? So double down on the budget. Marketing. We need more money. We need more money. <laughs> well, and it's also just using it smarter. You know, really going through those line items and like, what are we really going to do? And, and, and what are we, what's our ROI and really start tracking. That's another thing you got to track, you got to see where, what's, what is working and what isn't. Well, and that's, that's the other benefit of digital these days is that you can't actually track it. You know, you know, no longer are the days when you, you might do reader surveys and you, you get a sense of how an ad might is making an impression, you know, or old school eye tracking, you know, if you're looking at shelf mm-hmm. and, and things like that, you really have, you know, you have clicks, you have revenue that you can attribute to clicks, you can have, you know, you have site visits, there's a lot of information that is, is out there, you know, and I, you know, and manufacturers, you, you, we have the information, it's how do you, how do you pull it out? And how do you interpret it? You know, we all need to become, you know, data analysts these days because that's really going to help guide guide our decisions moving forward. Absolutely. I, I could not agree more. Well, Vera, this has been a fantastic conversation. Um, if people want to learn more about Lancer, uh, they would go to lancerworldwide.com. That is correct. And as always, if you also want to learn some more about Lancer, please feel free to visit partstown.com. With that, again, thank you, Vera. It's been great having you on the Partscast and look forward to hopefully seeing you live at an event. Maybe NAFM come August if we're we're still in the lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but, uh, you know, please feel free to, you know, Come back to the parts cast anytime because this has been fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Eric. And I can't wait to see you next year.